Hello, everyone, and welcome to Mike Springston FFC Podcast and FFC Facebook, and we welcome those of you who are joining us on Lift Him Higher Radio and Mike Springston FFC on YouTube. As we've mentioned to you, we're going to be changing our YouTube uh, station to Mike Springston Ministries FFC beginning in March, so pay close attention to that. We want to welcome all of those of you from around the world. We're picking up new followers as we move along, and uh, we're in Germany, Canada, and the United States with our podcast as we speak. We don't know all of the other regions, but we know there are probably 30 nations that have been in on our podcast and on our Facebook. We're so glad to have you from wherever you are. Please contact us at springston56 at gmail.com, mikespringstonministries.com, ffcma.org, or through Family Fellowship Chapel's direct messaging. Any way you'd use will get to us. But we appreciate you, and we thank you for being a part of our Bible study and our ministry, our teaching, and our preaching sessions. Today we're going to begin session eight, part eight, of the message that we've entitled Understanding Acts 2. Today, the uh, direction of this message to begin with is going to be on submission and surrender. There will be two words that are going to lead us into this teaching today. That's all, so let's have a word of prayer. Father, we thank you for the Word of God. Open our eyes that we can see, our ears that we can hear, and our heart that we can understand what the Word of God is saying to us. And then, let us apply it to our lives so that we can be changed into the image of your dear Son. Father, we ask that Jesus would speak to us so that we would know what we needed to know, do, understand, and demonstrate, and the Holy Ghost would share it with us. We would receive it and reveal it to your people. We ask you to bless your people and touch and heal in every area. And we will give you praise and honor and glory for all of it in the lovely name of Jesus Christ, who is our high priest, our Lord, and our man in the Godhead. Amen and amen. There was an encounter that took place between Peter and the house of Cornelius in Acts chapter 10. During that encounter, the entire message that was initially directed towards the Jews occurred and the entire message was given and shared to the Gentiles. This shift takes place, as I mentioned, in Acts chapter 10 when Peter is summoned to the house of Cornelius to provide the commands of God. Now, I want you to get that because this is going to be pretty interesting today. People say that the Holy Ghost has uh, passed away and, and uh, when the apostles died, it ended and, and all kinds of stuff to try to create a doctrine that eliminates the ministry of the Holy Spirit as produced in the book of Acts, and in the New Testament. But I want you to bear this in mind. Peter provided the commandments of God that were given him for the express purpose of being given to those who were going to hear his word in the house of Cornelius. Now there's something done by Cornelius at the very first part of his meeting that is very significant. Unfortunately, what Cornelius does is something that is ab of absolute opposition by most of the church world, and we're going to investigate that a little bit today. He surrenders 
First he submits, then he surrenders himself to the commands of God as given to Peter for him and his house. Surrendering and submission, as we will see, has become a very difficult thing for some people to do. Because they don't do it, they are left in a very precarious position with respect to spiritual things. So in order to reconcile their precarious positions, this is what they do. They tend to develop doctrinal positions that satisfy their positions of instability. That's what once in grace, always in grace is. It's a satisfaction of, of spiritual instability. That's what the secession of the Holy Spirit is. It is a doctrine that satisfies their position of spiritual instability. We easily identify these doctrinal positions that create spiritual instability uh, as we hear the messages preached by those who are proposing these doctrinal positions. Although this becomes a very diminished message, the problem is it leaves the people in all of the conditions of which Jesus spoke distinctly and directly against in Luke chapter 4 and verse 18. He said he came to preach against that message, that message of poverty, that message of brokenness and blindness, that message of, of bruising and captivity. He came to preach against all of that. So uh, the problem is the ministry of those who teach this diminished gospel or as Paul called it, another gospel seems to flourish. Well, why is that, you would say? Because people easily gravitate to less demanding messages. Look at the megachurches of our day. Look at education. We can readily see the process of education where the less demanding. Do you know that, that uh, in the state of which I live, failing is not an option? A particular grade at the bottom of the scale is the least grade that a student can get, whether he does anything or not. And that least grade is always going to be passing. And we wonder why our schools are in chaos, and we wonder why our kids are falling behind on the world scale. Well, the church has done the same thing. Look at the megachurch. They are either prosperity-oriented, which is an easy message to gravitate to because they're going to tell you, you give us money and you're going to get rich. Look at the psychology-oriented churches. Look at those who are self-help-oriented or those who are motivational speakers. Those who are set, have set themselves in a social club atmosphere. The word of truth to them is not the thrust of their ministry. The thrust of their ministry is response. That's what they're trying to get out of you. They're trying to make you jump and dance and shout and be at a rock concert. People respond. They do that. Why? Because it's easy. It's natural. 
I can jump up and down and turn circles and bounce to the beat. I mean, you, it's easy. Where is there an internal sense of worship? Where is there the idea that you are going to die to your flesh, that you are going to bury your sin nature, that you are going to follow Jesus Christ? That's not in our messaging in most churches today. What do they do? They build churches by giving people who come in the door the first time a job. A job in the church to make them feel like they are beholding and have committed to that job. Not to Christ. Not to Christ, but to that job. This is the nature of the church of our day. Hosea chapter 4 speaks from the prophecy of Hosea as if he were speaking directly into our day. Remember the prophet Hosea? He was the one whose name meant salvation and he was the one to whom God commanded to take a wife from whoredom because he was going to prophesy about a people who had abandoned the ways and the life of God. But God loved them. We're talking about Israel. God elected them. God called them his people. But he was grieved with their actions of betrayal. So he sent a messenger to try to show them the word of reconciliation. My friend, his words of prophecy speak true today. However, it differs in this regard. God has both loved us and sent his love to be the son who would create the path of reconciliation, atonement and redemption, by sacrificing himself. Mankind, however, has chosen a most destructive path, one of which rebellion was the beginning. Rejection is their intention. Now then, they restrict their offering only to the things that they can see, feel, hear, and touch that satisfy that satisfy, watch this, themselves. Their refusal then to bow themselves has created an outcome where they have crowned a stubborn self themselves as their own God and their own leader. Entertain me. Let me jump. Let me dance. Let me shout. Let me lead. But don't ask me to submit or surrender. I'll dance, but I don't want to submit to his lordship. I'll be saved, but I don't want to be under the surrender of following Jesus Christ. Wow. Listen to Isaiah in chapter 4, verse 1 through 9. Hear the word of the Lord, ye children of Israel, for the Lord hath controversy with the inhabitants of the land, because there is no truth, no mercy, nor knowledge of God in the land. By swearing and lying and killing and stealing and committing adultery, they break out and blood toucheth blood. Therefore shall the land mourn, and everyone that dwelleth therein shall languish with the beasts of the fields and with the fowls of heaven. 
Yea, the fish in the sea also shall be taken away. Yet let no man strive, nor reprove another, for thy people are as they that strive with the priests. Therefore shalt thou fall in the day, and the prophet also shall fall with thee in the night, and I will destroy thy mother. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge, because thou hast rejected knowledge, I will also reject thee, that thou shalt be no priests to me. You're not going to become priests. Look at that. You're not going to move into the kingdom. You're not going to become a kingdom of a citizen, a citizen of a kingdom. Because the first step to do that is to come under the priesthood of Jesus Christ. Seeing thou hast forgotten the law of thy God, I will also forget thy children. As they were increased, so they sinned against me. Therefore will I change their glory into shame. They eat up the sin of my people, and they set their heart on their iniquity. And there shall be like people, like priests, and I will punish them for their ways and reward them for their doings. If that is not a picture of this day and hour, that Hosea has spoken. I really don't know what you can say. Cornelius and his house, however, in Acts chapter 10, were not so. The result of what they did was an outpouring of Israel's blessings provided and produced for the Gentiles. They were going to submit to the Lord, who Peter mentions in verse 36 of Acts 10. Then in verse 38, they hear about the power of the Holy Ghost as being the, the reason and the means that caused the anointing that was exercised by Jesus Christ. From this anointing, Peter declares all of some of the ministry that Jesus Christ died, died done. And he shares that with us in verse 38. In verse 39, Peter uses the word witness. So he's doing precisely what Jesus said they would do in Acts chapter 1 and verse 8. After those who were told received the endowment of power. Then he continues to do and to teach what Jesus told them to do and to teach. According to his words in Matthew chapter 28 and Mark 16. As he continues the message to Cornelius' house in verse 42. Then in verse 44. There was a surrender. All of those who were hearing his teaching concerning Jesus were in a Holy Ghost move that Peter identified, and so did his companions. The Holy Ghost was poured out upon those who were surrendered to the message. They were filled with the gift of the Spirit. The evidence was that they spoke with tongues and magnified God. All of this was done with exact precision as Peter simply did what he had been commanded by Jesus to do. Now, we don't, want to, we don't want to see it this way because we do not want to submit to his lordship nor surrender to the man in the Godhead bodily. So we just will not see what Peter gave at the house of Cornelius in Acts chapter 10. What happened there is the most significant moment in the Gentile church world. 
Because there, the exact things Jesus Christ told them to do, Peter simply went and gave that from the command of Jesus. And the house of Cornelius was changed completely. We cannot miss how the message was produced. He simply engaged them with the message that was told in the way that Jesus had told them. So did he come to them with a command? Absolutely, he proved it in his message. He gave them what Jesus commanded that they were to be given. In Acts 20, in, in Matthew 28, in Mark 16, in Acts 1, and in Acts 2. All of this is done in its entirety. And what the Jews had has now been given over to the Gentile. Jesus said he would do it. It's what he said in John chapter 10. He said, other sheep of I have, have I, and I'll bring them into the sheepfold so that we all will be one in one sheepfold. So what John has done here is simply follow the command. The church doesn't want to realize the establishment of the command of Jesus Christ. We don't want to realize that what the baptism of the Holy Spirit is is the continuation of what Jesus began to do and to teach. And what he began to do and to teach, Peter walks us through step by step in Acts 10. He gave them what he had been given. He taught them what to observe. He taught them what he had witnessed. He taught them from where Jesus operated in the anointing. And they surrendered to this message and were filled and when they were filled, what was the evidence of this infilling? It was not that they walked in a greater natural body, in a greater natural thought process. It was the gift of the Holy Ghost that followed with an evidence of speaking in other tongues. I've had people say to me, I've been baptized in the Holy Spirit, but I've never spoken in tongues. No, you haven't. No, you haven't. That is unscriptural. It is unbiblical. And it is not the way the Holy Ghost is ministered. You may be able to outthink in your natural processes someone and come to a better idea or suggestion than someone. But unless you have spoken with the evidence of speaking in other tongues, then the message that Jesus Christ began to do and to teach and the message that Paul preached to Cornelius' house in Acts chapter 10 has not been affected in you or affected in you. It has not come out of you. And therefore, you are operating simply in a heightened, more natural sense. We're going to look into that in a minute. I would say as I study Acts chapter 10 that what Paul Peter did is an absolute textbook engagement with the things that Jesus began to do and to teach. Now, from our last teaching, we learned that there was a transfer being completed. And during this, God designed the encounter between Peter and Cornelius. What I first want you to see is that Cornelius, and I've told you this, was in complete submission and surrender 
to the message which Peter was bringing to them by the command of God. Look at what he says during Peter's visit in Acts chapter 10, verse 33. Now therefore, are we all here present before God to hear all things that are commanded thee of God? Now here is the reason that people are not baptized in the Holy Spirit. They have built up such boundaries of thought, such doctrinal inhibitors, that when the Holy Spirit is moving, and when the Holy Spirit is attempting to minister as we saw it ministered in Cornelius' house, and as we saw him him ministered, it shouldn't be it, it's him, ministered in Acts chapter 2. They become rebellious, they reject, they restrict, and they refuse. And they walk away and say such foolish things as this, well, if God wanted me to have it, I'd have it. If that was his intention, then I would have it. He would give it to me. Is that what you're seeing in Acts chapter 10? No. You're seeing a man say, I'm here present before God to hear everything that God has commanded thee, Peter, to give to me. I'm here to receive it. I'm here to take it. I'm here to have it. I'm here to show evidence of it. And if God is prepared to give it, I am prepared to receive it. Therein is the reason people are not receiving the Holy Ghost. The preparation of God was established for you to have it in Acts chapter 2. It is your own unfortunate ability to walk in rebellion to walk in rejection, to walk in restriction, and then subsequently to walk in refusal. You refuse the Holy Ghost. Now I want to ask you a question. When you got saved, did God swoop down out of heaven and save you? That's not what the Bible said. The Bible said you believed. You chose to believe. You chose to accept the work that God had provided through His love, His Son, who was the sacrifice. You chose that. You made that decision. Now, everything else in the economy of God is done by faith. Same process. Believing and receiving. The application of grace through faith which is a gift of God given to you to function in spiritual things. So why would anybody say, well, now if God wants me to have it, he'll just give it to me. Well, if God wants you to be healed, then why aren't you healed? Because the Bible says that he is a healer. I am the God that heals thee. Now faith has to come in here, my friend. Your ability to submit and surrender. That's where Cornelius was. I just read it to you. Let me read it again. Now therefore are we all present before God to hear all things 
that are commanded thee of God. Whatever God is going to tell me through you, I'm going to receive because I'm here to hear it. I'm here to submit and I'm here to surrender. Well, this is an area that most of the Christian community will never come to. They are so spiritually guarded that the application of these words never even come close to crossing their mind. And the preaching of their leadership will never direct them there. They will never come into that because they do not realize that it was their belief system that got them saved. So it's going to be their belief system that applies grace to get them healed. That's going to be their belief system that applies grace to get them sanctified. That it's their belief system that's going to apply grace to get them baptized in the Holy Ghost. It's yours. Not your preacher, not your doctrine, not the foolish things that have tried to make your walk with Christ less demanding and in essence leave you totally at the cross where you do nothing but run this cycle of sin and forgiveness because they've told you that's how grace will operate. Never understanding that there is a flesh to kill. There is a deposit of the sin nature that will bring you into the righteousness of God, make you a citizen of a new kingdom, and push you forward to follow Jesus Christ. Read John chapter 10. You're going to see Jesus consistently make that statement. Follow me. Follow me. Follow me. But we don't want to do that because we're not taught that, we're not led to that, we're not instructed concerning that, but if we would listen to the message of those that we're, we're hearing, they are giving you absolutely a fourth-term message. One, don't sin. The other, don't worry about it. That's a fourth-term message, my friend, because out of one mouth, they bless God, and out of the other tongue, out of the other side of their mouth, they curse the scripture. How are they doing it? Because they're telling you that you shouldn't sin, but don't worry about it if you do because grace takes care of everything else anyway. It's a forked tongue message. But we are not deep enough because we do not want to hear that there is a more demanding position for you to walk in and to live in and to be in and to be blessed in. We would rather have the turmoil of looking like, acting like, thinking like, talking like the world. How do I know it? Just look at the churches. They're worshiping in dark churches. They're jumping up and down like they're at a rock concert. They're doing all kinds of foolishness and calling it worship. What are they worshiping? Where is their intentional ability, idea to do the things that worship involves concerning them bowing the knee to Jesus Christ, concerning them casting down devils, concerning them operating in the Spirit? Where is the freedom and the peace and the joy, the comfort, and the refreshing that comes from worship because they go away to live in as deep and dire sin as they did and had before they came and jumped up and down. 
What a sad scenario. No, we don't want to apply these words because we are too guarded. We want to be guarded where the Holy Ghost is, but free to express our physical self in the house of God. Let me show you that. We don't want to be controlled by the Spirit of God, so we teach against the Holy Ghost. But we will go into churches that don't believe in it, jump up and down, turn circles, do acrobatics, and do all kinds of physical labor. What did Paul say? He said that physical stuff doesn't accomplish anything. He said that physical exercise doesn't accomplish anything. So, but we continue to exercise our physical with no comfort, peace, and refreshing in our spirit man. We would be guarded in the very thing that was going to bring us into the anointing and the works of Jesus Christ. We would be guarded there, but free in our physical self to do, act, talk, speak, and look like the world. How do we reconcile the two? Well, you can't, except you are listening to a message that is a lie. People are more worried about the lack of spiritual control and giving away their physical control they would rather maintain a sense of natural control because that allows them to maintain a comfort level. See, I can move my hands. I can hear the beat of the music and I can maintain my physical comfort level. But when it comes to spiritual things where I have to surrender, uh-uh. No, I'm not interested in that. That's what the world is saying now. Could it be that the natural element which has been their existence for their entire life is so convenient that the potential of a higher dimension of spirituality is out of the question? Here's the problem with remaining in the natural. The natural maintains a deeper connection. Now, well, listen to what I'm about to tell you. The natural maintains a deeper connection to the world of darkness then you are able to perceive. From the natural side, we are continually engaged with the common things. Those common things tempt us. Because they tempt us, we are forced to remain at the place of forgiveness and healing. We are forced because we are interacting with common things, bad language, bad thoughts, bad vision bad actions, bad behavior, all of those works of the flesh. We are forced because we won't deal with them to remain on or around the cross. I heard some man say, how you doing, buddy? Oh, I'm living at the foot of the cross. You know what he was actually saying? I'm living in my sin hoping Jesus will forgive me. Living at the foot of the cross. Well, those common things are tempting us. And in that area, we locate no means of escape because we remain more closely connected to the evil economy than the spiritual economy. So we get saved and we sin. We get saved and we sin. 
We get forgiven and we sin. And there you are. But because we've been told grace is our answer, we become numb to the concept of Christly living, following Jesus Christ. As this natural side remains our leading edge concerning our spiritual experience, we begin to have less understanding concerning how and what it is meant to actually follow Jesus. And when we get with someone who actually teaches you how to follow Jesus, what do we do? We rebel, we reject, we restrict, and we refuse. And we get up and leave. Why? We're going back to what we're comfortable with. We're going back to where we've been because we know what to expect there and they don't expect anything out of us. So therefore, I'm going to where I am comfortable. What a sad thing. What a sad thing. Our natural side cannot conceive of the concept that we can submit to the spiritual and move into the actions and the replications of Jesus Christ. Since we seem unable to allow him to create the spiritual side in us because we are more comfortable being near our natural side, we remain solely focused upon what happened at the cross. Well, we have to because our natural side consistently requires what the cross offers. That's forgiveness. Father, I thank you for the word of God. I pray that you'll minister truth. I pray that you'll give us truth. I pray that we'll see truth. I pray that we'll see through this physical adaptation of Christianity. This physical adaptation where we are trying to live for Christ out of our physical self. For Father, physical self is death. It's carnal. Carnality is death. It always has been. Paul told us so in Romans 8. I pray that you'll minister to us now. In the lovely name of Jesus Christ, who is our high priest, our Lord, and our man in the Godhead. Amen and amen. I see Lyndon Charles. I know there'll be many more. This has been one of the most popular teachings we've ever done. But I want you to know, the truth in this teaching will absolutely make you free. My Facebook friends, may God bless you until we have the opportunity to speak again. My podcast friends, find him as Lord, bow before him and learn to worship. He'll mediate the new covenant for you. Find him as the man in the Godhead bodily and he'll speak to you great and mighty things that you know not. May God bless you until we speak again.